So listen for the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Thank you, Michael. Um, if you enjoy listening to him, you can search him on Audible, reading other books. Um, appreciate, appreciate you. I'm just kidding. Don't search him up in Audible. I don't think he has, he's written or read any books. Um, my name is Milan, one of the pastors here. So glad you're joining us for worship. Let me pray for us before we get started. Lord, thank you that we get to study your word. Specifically today, we get to read and learn and be changed by the story of the Passover. I ask that, Lord, we would um, more clearly see uh, your saving work of how much you love us, how much you care for us. And Lord, um, may we just leave today with a a fresher understanding of of who you are, what you've done, uh, that can only uh, shape and change us because how amazing it is. So be with me as I speak. Uh, may it just glorify you and be edifying to the church. In your name we pray, amen. So we're continuing our sermon series, The Plains of Moab. And this is part two. And so last week, it focused on the first portion of Deuteronomy 5.15. And so today, we're gonna continue learning about God's provision and deliverance through the event called the Passover. It comes from the middle portion of today's passage in Deuteronomy 5.15 that reads, and the Lord your God brought you out there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That portion of Deuteronomy 5.15 is referring back to the passage in Exodus chapter 12, referring to the event of the Passover. And if you're not familiar with the Passover, we're going to spend a fair amount of time in Exodus chapter 12 to help us learn about Passover. Passover is actually one of the most important commemorated events in Hebrew history. And so the logical question follows up, right? When is the Passover? Well, Passover is one of those dates on the calendar where it changes every year, which means that it's complex and it's more complicated and it changes every year because it uses a lunisolar calendar, which means that they use the moon and the sun to determine their dates of the month. Do you know who else uses the lunisolar calendar? Any guesses? Werewolves? That... (laughs) That's amazing. <clears throat> that's, that's truly amazing. Yes, I'm, I, I'm full agreement with you, Krista. <laughs> Werewolves do use the lunar solar calendar. But who else uses the lunar solar calendar, you might guess, is actually the Koreans. <laughs> not, not werewolves. Koreans are not werewolves. Oh, I grew up and I always lived with a form of calendar dyslexia, as I like to say it, because growing up Korean means that you're born into this calendar confusion. 
It means that when people ask you how old you are, you say, hold on. And you start counting with your fingers, and then you start looking for the star and the moon, and where's the sun and in alignment. And then you look at them and say, I, I do know how old I am. I'm somewhere between 36 and 40. <laughs> the calendar always confused me growing up. So to you, because Korea uses a lunar solar calendar, like the Israelites, meaning that in Korea, they celebrate Christmas on December 25th, like we all do, but they celebrate New Year on February 10th of 2024 this year. You're also born one, which makes more sense to me because you're nine-month gestation, right? You're born one, and you gain one year in age on January 1st. Everyone, the entire country, gains a year in age. So if your birthday is December 31st, you gain two years of age in two days. So if you're 29 and you are not looking forward to getting into your 30s, on January 1st, you're actually 31, okay? Get that out of the way real quick. And so growing up in South Florida, I had a lot of Jewish friends. Grew up around a lot of Jewish people. I experienced the calendar confusion in multifaceted ways. I never knew how old I was. And I saw a lot of my Jewish friends celebrating Jewish holidays faithfully in seemingly what seemed to be very random days and random months of the year. And added to that confusion is this issue that we have in Florida, where we only have one season. It's the summer. Leaves don't change colors. Nothing dies. Um, It's just hot and sunny. So seeing my Jewish friends and Jewish people walking around, walking to their synagogues, dressed in black and 90 degree heat to celebrate a holiday only confused me about what month it was. What, what month is it? Are we like at Christmas? Like where, what's going on? I thought it was like spring. I thought it was April. And they're like, no, it's like December. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just confused. I don't even know how old I am. <laughs> so in the midst of all the dates and confusion, I'm going to do my very best today to teach you about the Passover. That leads us to the main point of today's sermon, which is that our provision and deliverance comes through the person of Jesus. Our provision and deliverance comes through the person of Jesus. Let me phrase it in another another way for you. Jesus provides all our needs and meets us in the most challenging of life circumstances. Jesus provides all our needs and meets us in the most challenging of life's circumstances. So what is the Passover? Anyone familiar with the Passover story? No one. No one is familiar with the Passover story. I find it actually quite ironic and comical how a pastor born in Korea, raised in Florida, is teaching about Passover to a Christian congregation in Linwood, Washington. Just so strange. If any of my Jewish friends and classmates are watching, thank you. Thank you for the matzo ball soup, the potato latkes, and the invitation to your bat mitzvahs. Had a blast. So shout out to all my Jewish friends. This little portion, the next 15 seconds, is not for 
our church congregation. It is for my Jewish friends if they ever stumble onto this sermon in, in Linwood, Washington going on. I'm going to tell my Jewish friends here, to my non-Messianic Jewish friends, please know that the Messiah has already come, and his name is Jesus, and we are eagerly waiting to see you believe in Christ. But back on track. The Passover, it's one of the greatest acts of God's justice and mercy for the Israelites who were freed from slavery of the Egyptians. So without telling you to go watch the 1956 movie, The Ten Commandments, starring... Oh, so you guys do know about the Passover. You guys do know about it. See, I knew you were kidding. Don't, I mean, you don't have to go watch that movie. But if you want to, feel free. Um, I want to give you a short synopsis of the story of Moses. So we learned last week that the Israelites once welcomed to live and dwell in Egypt because of Joseph and his service to the Israelites. As, no, he was, no, service to the Pharaoh as an Israelite. It quickly changed. That, that welcoming relationship quickly changed from good to bad. There's a new Pharaoh in town, and the new Pharaoh despises the Israelites' population and growth and influence of who they are. In his anger, the Pharaoh deals cruelly by enslaving the Israelites and giving them an edict to kill all the Hebrew-born sons. Kill them all. During the edict, a baby named Moses was born. And born as an Israelite with his life in danger, he was floated. There was a basket that was made, baby placed in the basket and floated down the river by his parents in hopes that he would survive. In God's providence, the Pharaoh's daughter, out of all people, the Pharaoh's daughter found and adopted Moses. Later in life, Moses was chosen by God to represent God's chosen people. The Israelites, and he was told to lead them out of the Pharaoh's enslavement and captivity. And Moses, in obedience, demands that the Pharaoh release the people of God. But, the Pharaoh is hard. His heart is hard. And in resistance and hardness of heart, he did not let the Israelites go. And he's met with the judgment of God shown through the ten plagues. Are you guys familiar with the ten plagues? These include the Nile turning to blood, plague of frogs, gnats, flies, death of livestock, boil or sores on the body, Hail, locusts, it's grasshoppers. I know we don't have locusts here. It's like big grasshoppers. Death of livestock. No, actually, sorry. Darkness, and the last of which was the death of all the firstborn sons, including livestock. I know I harp on Florida a lot, but this seems a lot like Florida already. So, (laughs) (laughs) And each of the plagues were directly given by God because it opposes the Egyptian gods. This brings us to the very last plague, which is the Passover. Now, additionally for the Israelites, the Passover was not only the just judgment for Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but also was a merciful means of providing salvation from the tenth and final plague for the Israelites themselves. And for the Passover, God gave them a number of steps to follow. And all the steps, each step had great meaning 
given to the Israelites to follow. And so without going into great detail, here are the steps that God gave them for them to follow. Step number one, select an animal. This animal must be a spotless young lamb. Exodus 12, 5. You must have an unblemished animal, a year old. You may take from it, take it from either the sheep or the goats. Step two, you slaughter the animal and paint the blood on the doorpost of the home. Exodus 12, 7. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they were to eat, where they eat them. Step number three, my favorite, roast the meat over fire. Barbecue, yes, amen? Roast the meat over fire and eat it with unleavened bread. Exodus 12, eight. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it, roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Next step, do not leave any leftovers. Exodus 12.10. If your barbecue is good, there's never any leftovers, so no issue there. But do not leave any leftovers. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning, you must burn. And lastly, the Israelites were to be ready to leave. Keep your sandals on and staff in your hand. Exodus 12.11. Here is how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Now I'm Korean, and so you don't wear shoes in your house. So this is a big deal. If someone says, you got to be ready to leave, keep your shoes on. All this kind of refers to this idea of God telling his people, that this is not going to be your final home. You're going to be ready to leave, and I'm going to take you out. And so the plague comes to the land of Egypt and every firstborn male from the Egyptian people and cattle are killed that night. But the Israelites who obeyed God were spared. This was a turning point where the Pharaoh finally released the Israelites from captivity and told them to go. So that at that point on, It became a memorial for God's justice and mercy, which has been observed by the Israelites every year since. And that's where Deuteronomy 5.15, the remembrance, the passage where it says, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's referring to the Passover. Therefore, to answer the early question I pose in the introduction of when is the Passover, Well, the Passover starts on the 14th day of the first month of spring that kicks off the week of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So don't try to figure out the date, exact date. You're not going to figure out by watching the moon and the sun. Just Google it. Google will tell you when the Passover is for this year. It's like trying to explain, when is Christmas? You know, that cold week in December, when the stars are on the north side and the trees are moving, snow is starting to fall, and you'll you'll know Christmas is around the corner. No, it's confusing to describe people when those dates are. 
And so just Google when Christmas is, and they'll tell you it's December 25th. So just Google when is Passover, and instead of trying to use difficult 14th day of the first month of spring, (laughs) I don't know, just Google it, and uh, Google will tell you when the Passover is. So let's move on. Now you got a little synopsis of the story of Moses and the Passover. Let's do some introspection, right? What do you hear when you listen to that little synopsis? What do you think about? More specifically, what do you think about the Pharaoh? Are you listening to this Exodus story thinking something like, that Pharaoh is stubborn? Is he prideful or insecure or what? Why couldn't he just let them go before the death of his firstborn? Are you thinking, glad that isn't me, glad that we're not in that situation? Well, let me ask you, because I think that we're a lot like the Pharaoh than we might give credit to. So let me ask you, what are the things in your life that enslave you? What are the things in my life that enslave me? What have you established as a God in your life? Let me phrase it another way. Where do you establish your own kingdom, gripping so tightly, refusing to trust in God for your provision and deliverance, refusing to let the things you have go? Do you worship or put your trust in your work? Do you worship or put your trust in your family? Do you worship or put your trust in your physical or emotional health? Do you worship or put your trust in romantic relationships? Do you worship or put your trust in the success of yourself or your kids? Do you worship or put your trust in comfort? Do you worship or put your trust in earthly justice and peace? We got the elections coming up this year, right? Do you worship or put your trust in politics? Are any of these things bad? No. I know you guys are a little afraid to shake your heads. No, none of these things are bad in itself. A lot of these things are good. But when we elevate them above God and forget that all our provision and deliverance comes from God, then anything else that takes that place, a ruling position in our hearts and mind, becomes God, becomes a God that will enslave us. Anything that you hold on to so tightly to bring you through till tomorrow or give you hope will enslave you if it's not God. Underneath our worship of false gods lies a similar harness of heart like the Pharaoh. It's prideful, right? It's prideful that we have this desire to control and stiff arm the truth that only through Jesus do we receive our provision and deliverance. You stiff arm Jesus and his truth and his provision. Is it too soon for a football analogy? You Dub fans? Seahawks fans? Losing the national championship and losing a head coach all in like the same week? (laughs) 
But isn't that what we do? In our pride, we stiff arm Jesus. Hopefully you're hearing me clearly. We all have areas in life where our hearts yearn for control. Because of the sinful nature of man, it's actually normal to yearn for control. What's abnormal is the changed life for those who believe in Jesus as the greatest Passover. It's abnormal for us to not yearn for control. But like the Pharaoh, if you don't have a Passover, but like the Pharaoh, if you don't have a Passover, judgment is coming and there's nothing we can do to appease God. Nothing. You can't play being a good person. Can't put a costume on, act all good. You also can't try to paint your doorpost with red paint that you got at the store. You can't get yourself a doormat that says, Jesus is welcome here. You can't put a Jesus fish on your vehicle and think that's going to get you to the Passover. What I'm saying is that you can't clean up your life enough to have the judgment of God pass over you. That just as the plagues from God address the gods of Egypt, Solomon reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so apart from God's saving work, we're all slaves to the gods we establish in our own lives. So do you know then why the Passover is important? It seems like just an Old Testament story, right? Or some holiday commemorated by Jewish people, but it's not. It's important because as, Jesus, as Christ followers, Jesus followers, every Passover since the very first Passover points as a signpost to the greatest Passover of judgment and death that we deserve, the judgment and death that we deserve but are delivered from because of the sacrificial blood of Jesus on our behalf. Just as the Israelites needed a sacrifice of a spotless lamb and for the blood to be covered on the doorposts, we all need a sacrifice. And that sacrifice has come once and for all through the person of Jesus. Spotless without a sin, without sin as Jesus is described in 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. And no one knew this truth better, that Jesus was that sacrificial lamb, than John the Baptist when he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John 1.29, that's what he said. So let me ask you, do you believe that Jesus' blood is the only way that God was appeased of his righteous anger and judgment and that Passover will take place in your life? Do you believe that Jesus' blood is the only way that Passover will take place in your life? If not, and you're trying to be a good person, 
God will not be fooled by red marker that you scribble on your doorpost of life. He's not going to be fooled. Are you guys familiar with the hanging Chad? <laughs> yes? Are you familiar with it? Just going to double down and just like stomp on Florida as much as I can. I love Florida. There's a lot of friends that still live there, so I love it. But you can always poke fun at it. The hanging Chad uh, was an election back in the day, dating myself. Some guess you can guess how I am. Old I am, right? 30, between 36 and 42, right? Or 36 and 40. So it was an election that was taking place. And the ballots, they were not electronic. They were all just manual punch of a piece of paper. And the punch, for some reason in Florida, could not remove the tab all the way from the ballots. So when you punch, there was a dangling piece of circle from the ballot causing confusion in the counting. So they just paused the final counting of the election to say, we need to figure out what's going in Florida. And so they named it the Hanging Chad. And that evening, they had to recount all of Florida's ballots because they didn't know who voted for who. Was that Hanging Chad for this person? Was that Hanging Chad for that person? They couldn't figure it out, so they had to go and recount it. Well, I'm here to say the Passover for us believers in Christ is not going to be a Hanging Chad situation where God needs to go and recount his work. He's not going to double check if he walked past the right doorpost. When the blood of Jesus covers you, it's once and for all. There's no doubt. No hanging chad for you that you've been purchased by his blood. The wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus. He is passing over us because he sees the blood of Jesus. Not our good works that can save us. No, he sees the blood of Jesus that saves us. So if I can say it one more time, it's only through the blood of Jesus will God's wrath and death be passed over you and me. I love the lyrics of In Christ Alone. It reads, a little portion of it, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. The wrath of God was satisfied. The sacrificial lamb. But there's more. You're like, okay, great. This terrible thing has passed over us if you believe in Jesus. But not only the bad things were passing over us, not only did the bad things pass over the Israelites, but there's more. For the Israelites, what was he doing? He didn't just let the death of the firstborn son pass over them. He brought them out of slavery and was taking them to the promised land. And so for us as Christians, there's more than just forgiveness of sin in our lives. What happens to us? We receive, through Jesus' Passover, the blessing of a new heart. 
we also receive the blessing of being adopted as his children. We also receive the forgiveness of sins, the righteousness of Jesus, and eternal life with God. So he's not just saying, that doorpost, good, good to go. I'm going to move on by. No, he says, come with me. You are my child now. You're going to live with me forever. You're going to take on. I'm going to give you my righteousness. Mm, Isn't that amazing? How amazing is that? Can you see that the greatest provision of a spotless lamb sacrificed for you and me made available to us freely, a free gift? And do you see that it's through the belief of Jesus that the perfect provision exists and that we have deliverance. So what do we do? I know all the note takers love the final application steps. What do we do? This is the first thing I would put forward to you. I would ask you to worship Jesus. It's not complicated. If you're a believer in Jesus, I'm just going to ask that on a regular basis, today, tomorrow, every day of your life, that you just take a deep breath and through worship and prayer, always just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Just simple. Thank you. But then, number two, I would also encourage you to identify and repent of the areas where you seek control. Where do we seek control in our lives? Where do we hold on so tightly that we just can't let things go? Let's identify and repent of those things. Lay them down at the foot of the cross. Number three, remind yourself of the gospel daily. And in faith, steep in the truth that all our provision and deliverance comes from God. Steep in that truth. Remind yourself of the gospel and just steep in it like a nice hot tea on this cold day. Just let that thing steep. All our provision and deliverance comes from God. And then finally, we don't just want to receive and say, good for us. We're, we're that amazing people that God loves. He's given amazing things to us. No. When you receive good things, we want to share good things as God calls us to. So share the good news of the Passover to all those around you. I know Passover is not as well um, spoken of or just commonly practiced. Um, There's not a lot of Jewish people in the Pacific Northwest. But Passover is a great story for you to share, to unpack the story of who Christ is. All the Passovers pointing to Jesus. Can we do that? Share the story of the Passover. So maybe uh, next Christmas, when you're celebrating as a family, maybe you can mix it up. Maybe you can explain to them what the Passover is and connect those dots to Jesus being the greatest Passover. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the greatest gift of Jesus who on the cross, Lord, took on your wrath and was sacrificed on our behalf, what we deserved. So Lord, help us to just, let me just say thank you 
thank you. And Lord, may we worship you and help us, help change us, Lord. Help us to become more like you. Root out the things that we just yearn for control. Help us to become more like you. And Lord, in that um, heart and mindset of thankfulness, help us to share the good news of the Passover to all those around us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.